The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for all the uh, ways in which you show up, not only for Unity Online Radio, but more specifically for this show, The Intentional Spirit. As you know, it's a tremendous passion of mine to get these ideas and these tools out for the world and that we continue to be the change that we wish to say, as Gandhi has said along the way and has, as we have quoted many times. So the idea with the show Intentional Spirit is to bring people that are leading edge, that are actually living by example, that understand that everything in life is emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical, and all those other elements. And so today, um, my guest is Dr. Christine Page. And Christine, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you. Thank you so much, Temple Hayes. It's wonderful to be with you. <laughs> it's just such a such a pleasure, and uh, I've really been looking forward to connecting with you. And for the for the purposes and learnings of our of our listeners, I know that uh, part of your life is that uh, you grew up in a in a medical family and community. And how in your life did you find yourself uh, becoming involved with such things as homeopathy? Uh, more alternative medicine, not to dismiss or discount all the other education. But tell us a little bit about about your path and your your soul journey. So my background is, as you hear, I come from England, and, and I was brought up actually not with a medical family, but with a, a, you could say, a spiritual family. Okay. And my background was that my mother came from Scotland, and her mother and grandmother were seen as the wise women of their society, of their town, and that uh, my great-grandmother was the one who would be called in when people were dying and be called in when people were being born. (laughs) So the true tradition of the wise woman, and my mother certainly carried that with her, and she had a great interest in, therefore, healing, but it was healing not of a, if I may say, it was a laying on of hands. It was the power to, to love to heal, And therefore, I was brought up with that. And she also had a lot of interest in psychic matters or esoteric matters, by which I mean it's more that she was interested in the otherworldliness. And we have two colleges in London, both of which have been around now for over 100 years, which always look at the afterlife and how we can connect to the different dimensions. And I would go there with my mother on a Saturday thinking that everybody did this on a Saturday <laughs> and, and would be taught by people who, you know, had different views on who we are, where we are. And it often included teachings on healing or astrology or homeopathy. And my mother was very much down to earth, as was my father. And they would say, look, take on board what you feel is right for you and let go of what isn't. So it was never an indoctrination. And I was therefore allowed to think freely 
And that, I think, was the greatest gift my parents gave me, was the ability to listen with my heart and to think freely. And at the same time, I never lost my connection to the other worlds, by which I never knew what it was like not to have guidance and not to have wise teachers, and inner wise teachers. And I always thought everybody did. I, I thought everybody could see what I could see. And my own gifts were of being clairvoyant and being able to feel into people's energy. And I thought, again, everybody knew what everybody else was thinking. <laughs> and I think that I will just say that one of the challenges for me was that when people were really suffering, and that meant that they, I was feeling their despair or their pain, I would not be able to deal with it as a child, and I would faint. And I think the irony was that this didn't go away, and therefore when it came to my career choice, Instead of going into a career where nobody suffered, I somehow my soul decided we should become a doctor, <laughs> which, <laughs> which was a very strange turn of events since really uh, my biggest challenge was staying upright when people were suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that was one of the greatest learnings, which was how do I create proper boundaries and how do I use my intuitive skills wisely and not... Uh, find myself taking on everybody else's problems. And that, I think, my training as a doctor, not only, I, I love being a doctor and I love all the things I was able to do, but the training also gave me the, the ability to find detachment and to separate enough that I could help people rather than faint at their, their first thought of them suffering. So that was, that was my upbringing, an unusual one, I think. <laughs> It really is, and and what a what a journey, and and truly how fortunate you were. Like you said, you just thought that's what everybody did on Saturday. You went and listened to metaphysical people and psychics and yeah. um, uh, people that were telepathic or clairvoyant or whatever, and that was just a, a typical day in in the neighborhood. Um, did you just feel that those gifts that you had were uh, natural and innate for you? Exactly. And I think because my parents never said there was anything wrong, that was such a gift. I've obviously heard that by many from other people. But I was never shamed. Um, we, I was brought up in a Christian church, but our Christianity in Britain is pretty low. So all I ever heard about that Christianity was the love of Jesus and the love of God. <laughs> so right. nothing went against my metaphysical upbringing, which always talked about love. And my mother always said, you know, the most pure energy is love. So this, this was a great way of saying, and she taught me that if something doesn't feel loving or if somebody isn't, doesn't, if whoever they are, it doesn't feel respectful and loving, then move on. And in my years of meeting people, many wonderful people, and also some kind of people a bit shady in the mystical world, I always use that. Does this person feel they're coming from a loving place? And whether or whoever they were, whatever gift they were giving, I would say, thank you very much. It's just not for me. It's not the way I want to be to moving forward. And I think that's a gift I want to teach every child is trust your heart. Trust, does this person come from a loving place and do they feel respectful towards you? And if not, then just move on. It may not be right for you at that time. It's just you were um, just so developed uh, so early on and what a blessing uh in being a doctor uh i'm sure you may be aware of the movie uh many years ago about the doctor played by william hurt you know oh, yes. that that here he was and he he just had no level of feeling connected to his patients at all it was just one diagnosis after another until he found himself in the space of you know actually being a patient and what he was receiving on the other end, whereas in your life and on your path, um, you had all this education and spiritual awareness of compassion and connection, of intuitiveness. And how would you say that that has um, made a difference in your ability to, to practice? I was watching a Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. She was talking to a reverend, um, Reverend Bacon, and to... Uh, the woman that uh, was a co-founder of Omega Institute, uh, Elizabeth Lesser, as well as uh, Mark Nepo. And they were talking about the times now 
you know, relative to uh, how much medication uh, is on our planet today and and how much there seems to be a void of of a soul of and what we have become is such a a quick let me take the pill society that are we taking away from the journey you know the the natural journey that we're supposed to be on of sometimes grieving of sometimes uh going through uh not easy challenges in our life but to feel that and walk through that are we taking away from our humanity with your experiences and then your sensitivity to individuals i would be very interested in uh, and knowing kind of your your take on on where we are now with all of this oh fascinating and this is exactly i have just literally sent a proposal into omega called the soul of healing you know where's the soul gone in healing Mm-hmm. And so, you know, very interesting. This is a subject I'm very keen on because I would say that when I was a young doctor, I've been qualified 35 years now. When I was a young doctor, we understood that there were times where we had to let someone move on. You know, they may have to die. We understood that we had to work with the community within the family. I was a general practitioner for a time and that allowed me to understand where that person was in their home, in their life not as a hospital patient. And you can't learn about somebody in a hospital. You have to sit on their bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and see the circumstances of their life. And to me, we've lost that. We have detached ourselves from who this person is. We see them as a disease. And we are now so driven by a fear of getting it wrong because of the defensiveness of the medicine now and the insurance companies that we have lost the plot to me. Mm-hmm. Now, not only that, I see that, as you say, what, what were the figures? 71% of the population in America are taking some sort of treatment or drug. That is appalling. Mm-hmm. And many of those drugs are, are de- antidepressants, painkillers. And we're in a place where uh, it's not necessarily just doctor-driven. It's become patient-driven that we have lost the connection that maybe the illness is there to help us not, we are not being attacked by it, we are not battling with it, etc. So what my message has been for the last 20 years is the illness is the messenger of the soul. And it loves you so much, your soul loves you so much, it will send an illness to get your attention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is a change about. And I was involved with holistic medicine, mind, body, spirit, from the late 70s. And what I realized that body, obviously we understand what that is, mind, we understand what that is. What what happened to spirit was it got hijacked by those who wanted to say spirit is about meditation, is about relaxation, is about yoga. I'm all for all those things, but where's the soul? And the soul Mm -hmm. to me is the unique journey of the individual that has nothing to do with doing something. It's about listening to something. And that's really the essence of my work has been how do I help people to listen within through using their intuition. I love the I love the idea of what you're talking about of coming from a place that nothing or no one is against me. And um, I had a personal experience with that in my late 20s. I found myself um, with one of the most significant diagnoses of TMJ that at the time, one of the only major uh, uh, doctors of that was out of Miami. And he said I had the worst case he had ever seen in his practice. And so I then went on to have, you know, major jaw surgery and, you know, all those kind of things. And I remember how difficult that was for me because I had the attitude always in my life as an athlete or in the military, or anything I had faced that I could always give it 100%, and therefore I'd get the results I was seeking, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, I mean, I did acupuncture, I did rothing, I was not really somebody that thought, uh, first and foremost, that let's go to surgery, you know, that's always the first answer, and so I just was resisting that path so much, and like, how did I get this, you know, somebody that you know, did the things I did, blah, blah, blah. But the point in that was, you're exactly right. When I realized, and I sat down with that, 
what appeared to be working against me, that pain, that discomfort, uh, the things that I felt in my body, um, the jaw surgery, the mouth being wired together, the blah, blah, blah. And I started holding the, there you are, you are my friend. You are not working against me. You are wanting to show me that I am so driving on that um, male side of my body so much that I'm not listening, um, that I'm just so determined and blah, 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 you know. But you were exactly right. Um, Making that adjustment and making that connection uh, changed that experience for me for the rest of my life. Seeing it as a sacred friend. And even now, all these years later, you know, when there's overworking on my part, and by that I'm not necessarily, I'm not talking about a J-O-B. I'm talking about um, going here, doing there, doing, doing, doing with uh, not enough being, being, being. Um, Then, therefore, there's that energy that starts coming up again, a discomfort on my right side. And I go, there you are. Thank you. Thank you for the clue. Uh, I get it now. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I take on board exactly what you say. You know, the thing I always ask my, my clients, my patients when I see them is what was going on when you got sick? That's the most important question. And the answer is often, I know why I have cancer. And I think, I didn't even ask you that. But patients tell me, I know why I got sick. And I'm thinking, why are we not asking that question? Why do we assume the issue must be with something external and therefore can be fixed externally? Instead of saying, wow, this illness is giving you such a gift of being able to go deeper within yourself. How much time do you need for this to happen? You know, let's give you two months off <laughs> because yeah. we're rushing people through the system now, whereas we used to say, well, have a couple, of, you know, we have you in hospital for a couple of weeks. Now we get them out the next day. So nobody is talking to anybody. Nobody's sharing and saying, what is going on in your life that could be not helpful to you? What is going on in your mind, your marriage, your, where are you frustrated? Where are you angry? Where are you sad? Nobody's asking those questions. It's like, how quickly can I fix you? And it's patient-driven as much as it is doctor-driven. I just want to be back on that lousy path that's killing me. But hey, don't worry. Just give me some pills so I don't have to feel the pain. Yeah, it's, it's, because, a, it's, it's a terrible like, place we're in. You're absolutely correct. It's like uh, taking a car in, you know, to get the oil change or, uh, you know, to just replace the part. And without any... Um, any second diagnosis without any, well, let's just go ahead and get her done, get her done. It's like, what? Are you kidding? This is your life you're talking about. Wouldn't you want to spend a little bit more time, you know, on the front end, getting more education, finding out, you know, what you're up against. They call it surgery for a reason. And even though it's minor, there's never anything minor about any of it. I mean, to me, that's the baffling thing is how people are so quick to jump in. Um, and it's not an easy journey. Well, I just love the work that you're doing and that you offer people that stop sign or those crossroads or that place that says, look, I mean, somehow as a planet, we made it, you know, all those um, <laughs> those many, many years uh, without all this, we've kind of overstepped and forgotten you know, any of those aspects of, of what's natural. Well, I'm looking forward to our next segment. I want to remind everyone that I'm speaking today with Christine Page, a doctor, a background of intuitiveness, um, awareness, clairvoyant. Please go to her website, christinepage.com. She does so much for the healing power of the sacred woman, for health, for creativity, And it's important that we spread the word of her work out in the world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. 
To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Daily Word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. My mind and body are in an ongoing conversation. My body responds to my thoughts, and my mind continually receives messages from my body, especially when something is out of order. However, I am more than mind and body. I am created in the image and likeness of God. I am first and foremost spirit. As I bring my spiritual awareness into the conversation between mind and body, I keep myself in balance. I know my body and its needs. I nurture it with food and water, rest and exercise. I also send an affirmation of life and renewal to every cell of my being. With spirit-centered thoughts, words, and actions, I claim my true identity as a whole and healthy expression of God, mind, body, and spirit. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels. Live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone. And we are having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Christine Page, who talks about let's get back to natural, to the aspects of who we are that we have within us innate uh, healing powers of being on the journey. Uh, We're looking at elements of how um, in some ways as a society here now in the 21st century, century, knowing everything that we know, uh, being so quick to just fix something rather than ask, why are you here? Uh, With um, medicating something rather than, being in meditation about something. I kind of like that premise, Christine. Mm. You know, are we are we meditating or are we medicating? Exactly. Um, I like know. that very much. Yeah. And, and in that space and, and and we know that one size doesn't fit all. And uh, we get that, but we've gotten way too far on the extreme. You know, that's for sure. So I was telling you a little bit about my um my TMJ and how I came to realize this sacred friend that I had uh, in the way that it shows up in my body. And I love our, our bodies because they, they always tell the truth (laughs) (laughs) no matter what. And you you can't talk them into something that is not the truth. (laughs) And that's the most interesting thing I I think about them. But what about your journey um, has brought you into even more of a, of a passion of, 
Let's get going, folks. It's time for people to wake up and become aware. Well, absolutely. I mean, I have had minor, relatively minor skirmishes with cancer. I have a very strong family history of cancer. Many of my, my family have died of cancer. And I always knew that, that one of the features of cancer is 85% of people with cancer are nice people. And I recognize that in my family. Um, most of the people who died relatively young of cancer were nice people. And probably not just our Britishness, but you keep things inside. You don't express your anger. And even if you do express your anger, you don't express it to the right people at the right time. <laughs> so we kind of, I recognize that and I have been trying to be a better bitch in my life, but maybe not doing as well as I could have done. And what happened was that I got this, I was watching television and, and there was an interviewer on speaking about somebody who had got breast cancer. And they said, fancy her getting breast cancer. She's such a nice person. And I wanted to scream at the television and said, that's the problem. She's too darn nice. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and therefore, I somehow, you know, I was thinking of writing a book and I thought, I'm going to write this book on women's health. And based on really how do I get women to understand that part of their makeup is that they've lost sight of who they are. And often through different religious or cultural beliefs, we've been told we have to be nice, subservient, carry on. And that often has a detriment to our body, not only cancer, but other illnesses. So I wrote my book and I wrote it on looking at women's illness, but also women's health and what it is to be a sacred woman. And really, it's all focused on the body. You know, what, why do we have a uterus? What does that mean? Why do we have breasts, etc.? And when I came to the chapter on breast cancer, I, I kind of wrote it, but I wasn't entirely sure of, that I'd really done it justice. And I sent the book off to the publishers. And two weeks later, I develop a breast lump. And it was as if my body was saying, you know, you haven't quite learned this. This is why you're having difficulty writing this chapter. Oh, wow. And I had no doubt in my mind when the diagnosis was made of cancer that I was being given a gift. Now, I know that's not everybody's appreciation, but to me, it was because I was so loved by my soul. It said we need to develop cancer because it's the only thing that's going to stop you in your tracks. And you need to stop and really consider where am I losing energy to being nice and being a pleaser and where do I need to start to say no more? And that's what the energy, what's what the cancer did for me. In the, what I've shared already is that I wanted to be asked what was going on in your life when you got sick. And what I found was that when people found out I got cancer, they would immediately launch into some way of fixing me Oh, you should eat better, you know, you should eat better, you should exercise more, you should do this, you do that. And I got so offended because nobody was asking me the question, what's going on in your life? And I said to them, you know, you're invading my sacred space, you're not asking the right questions, and I'm not asking you for help. And it felt as if I needed the cancer at that time to take myself deeply into who I was, into my deep psyche, I mean, I grieved, I was angry, I was sad, I was, and I really got in touch with who the, where was I holding on to old energy that was no longer helpful, and where did I have to complete relationships that I was only pleasing that person, but I really didn't feel respected. And I did a lot of clearing out, which really was very good for me. I did go ahead and have surgery, because to me, I wanted, you know, there was no reason for me not to have surgery. I love my medicine. And the surgeon was fantastic. She was a beautiful lady. She did wonderful surgery. I had radiotherapy. And I am now well. But it taught me just what you were speaking about at the beginning with the William Hurt film was that I had to not only have the experience of being a patient, but I had to experience what, how the medical profession treated me as a patient when they didn't know I was a doctor. And I hope that I also taught a lot to them about the process of being a patient. Uh, just one very quick thing that I was in some pain with the radiotherapy and I went in and I was very, very pain, in a lot of pain and I said, oh, I'm in this pain, have you got anything? And they said, oh yes, we've got this. You know, you just need to ask. And I said, what do you mean ask? Don't you understand that cancer patients are so darn nice, they will never ask for help. You have to give them something, not wait for them to ask. 
And it reminded me of just how out of touch we often get into what is the personality of an illness and we fail to understand what they really need. So that's my story. Wow, that is that is so powerful. And of course you're in no more issues with that with the cancer. No, I'm not. I mean that you know, I go for my checks and I'm very happy the body has given its message. And I have to say if it comes back then there's more messages to hear. You know, I'm not looking I'm not in fear of it returning because to me it was a friend. And when I no longer needed the friend I could get rid of it. And if it comes back again, so it does. And it's not my first cancer I've ever had. So I'm trying to say is I'm not worried about it coming back because obviously that will just give me a a deeper understanding that I'm still, uh, there's still old patterns inside me that need healing. Well, with your uh, new book, The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman, Health, Creativity, and Fertility for the Soul, um, give us... um, a few teasers about that because I'm sure that, you know, obviously the best answer is for people to get the book, but walk us through some of the elements um, that you're offering and that you're teaching there. uh, Some of those golden nuggets. Well, thank you for that. First of all, I want every woman uh, to appreciate that her body is the perfect size and shape it needs to be. And that we are being driven by an unrealistic goal of being a size zero or being six foot tall. And that I will never be six foot and I will never be a size zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. my, my legs are made for running up and down Scottish glens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never had thin legs. Mine are really muscular legs. And I think I've suffered with that, as I'm sure other women have, of how do I become something that I'm not? And it took a long time as a child and a young teenager to get into the understanding and the liking of my body. So I want women to understand that we need to be honored in that way. And I would like to see the the fashion industry do the same thing. I I heard that, you know, the fashion industry doesn't accept that there are people who have these different sizes. They just say, we're giving you the potential of being smaller. Well, there's lots of us who will never be smaller. So let's get over that. The next thing I'd say to women is your menstrual cycle is actually the most profound part of your life. It's not an inconvenience. It's not something that you have to be hormone, given hormones to suppress. And what I realized that out of, in a woman's life, in nearly every woman, I thought to myself, well, what does every woman do? She doesn't give birth. And in fact, about 35% of women in their 40s have not given birth. But what every woman does is that she bleeds every month. And we do that for 35 years. So that's a long time. And what I realized that we have a potential of about 420 cycles in, the year, in our lifetimes. And the potential of giving birth is one to two children. That's the kind of mean average for the world. And so what I realized that actually the bleeding or the whole cycling is the most essential part of being a woman, not the giving birth to a child. Not to say that is valuable, but actually every month, A woman gives birth to new ideas. And if women could understand that her menstrual cycle is time for her to clear out what is no longer needed, to be in tune with what is nurturing her, and then to be giving birth to new ideas, it would change the face of how women view themselves. And even I, as a postmenopausal woman, still can do that on the dark moon time, around the time of the new moon, because that is the time of women's power is when the moon is dark and not in the sky. So they're just some of the things that I've been working on and really encouraging women to understand their body is exactly where their power is. And that when a woman is out of her power, she will have a tendency to talk from her throat. So she talks very up here in the the throat. But when a woman is in her power, she speaks from her belly, from her womb. And then you know that that's a woman who really understands who she is. I love that. I absolutely love that. And um, it's so true. I mean, once you really embrace the fact that it is, again, natural and that in nature there are no mistakes, uh, the ride and the uh, experience is is so much easier. I remember, um, 
you know, when I was in my um, in my forties, which um, was not that long ago, just for my own ego, I want to say that. <laughs> but um, you know, I recall people starting to, you know, people are always you have commentators in your life always telling you, you know, well, get ready for this and get ready for that, and you're going to have this and you're going to need to have that. And unfortunately for me, I've just always connected with uh, you know wise people, and um, a dear friend of mine said. You know, I faced uh, menopause um, a long time ago, and I just decided that it was designed to be simple and easy, and it always has been. And in that moment, I went, those are my words, and that's my choice as well. There's Mm -hmm. going to be nothing complicated about it. I'm not going to be missing anything. I don't need to add additives to my life in order to just walk through this journey. And I haven't. You know, I absolutely haven't. Yeah, that's the truth, and... You know, people would almost make out, well, you know, God ran out of hormones, so let, we'll give them 40 years or 50 years, and then they can become a, a sagging hag or something. You know, oh, I don't Lord. believe that. What I worked out was that we usually, you know, the, pe- the time where we go into the menopause is the time that's very important for our moon cycles. And just to say it's around 56 years or 54, 56. So that, after we have done that, we, are, we have gone through, I will say, the valley of death. So many times in our life, 35 for 35 years, 420 times. And what a woman, when she goes through the menopause, it's not about menopause. It's not pausing for men. It's the fact she no longer needs to fear <clears throat> the passage of, of death. So what I'm saying is on the first day of a period, we literally release everything, our hold on everything. And we, we go into that period of nothingness with the great mother. And then we give birth to new growth and new consciousness. If every woman understood that she's so powerful because she doesn't have a fear of death, that every month she goes into that place, that is where the patriarchy was so scared, was that women, when they're in their power, do not fear death. And that's really the shift that happened 3,500 years ago. Wow. And I I recall, uh, not from a feminine perspective, but I will always remember like one of the first talks I ever did as an orator and as a teacher and minister, it was, um, uh, you know, what makes great people great. And in the studies and research, it was, um, you know, to be aware of Gandhi. And the reason it's like, one of the main reasons to be aware of Gandhi is because he had no fear of death at all, had no fear of being liked, he had no fear of, of not being liked, he had no fear of you know dying or any of those things. And therefore, he was able to just be you know that power and that energy. And that's exactly what you're saying, is that when you don't have that concern, then the true you can be there and you're, you're never hesitating because you're simply being who you are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I wrote uh, on my Facebook about Malala, the lady, the, the young girl in Pakistan who was shot in the head and she's just spoken to the UN and she said this wonderful statement which was, when I was shot, fearfulness and anxiety died and what was born was strength and courage. And I thought, yes, she went through that death period and she came out and said, I no longer will be fearful of dying. Now I'm in my power. And and that was such a powerful statement. Well, tell us about, um, you know, with the work you're doing, do you work on clients one-on-one? Do you, it it seems to me you're um, reaching people globally. Um, Are you uh, traveling with your with your work and your book, yes, I'm, I tend to do all of that, a little bit of all of it. I do soul readings, which means after all the years of my having a practice, I decided that I didn't want an ongoing practice anymore. But I love doing intuitive readings over the telephone, and they're a one-time reading. If you get my meaning, I, I give them the session, and I love that because I can read people as easily on the telephone as I can when I'm meeting them. And so that gives me a chance to go deeply. And I'm always saying it isn't a, for me, it's no, I'm not a medical intuitive because I'm not particularly interested in making a diagnosis. I can do that medically. But I am interested in where is somebody's, where are someone's strengths, where are her challenges or his challenges, and where is, what is the soul destiny? What is the soul waiting to express of itself? 
And in whatever way I can, I'm wanting to help people to find uh, themselves fully and to express in their full incarnation this life. And I also use astrology. My husband and I teach astrology courses where we actually let someone step into their own astrology wheel. We found that that embodiment of your astrology wheel and all the planets in it is a very powerful way of saying that your astrology chart is what you chose this life to live. And there will be parts of the chart that aren't lived and parts that are. And then finally, we take sacred groups away because I love traveling. I love going and love being with the earth and all the sacred places. And then my woman's work, which obviously is growing and growing. We do a, a wonderful four-day retreat near the Boston area. And there we take people through a musical journey. We use music to quieten the mind because the mind often wants to chatter away. So we use music so that we, someone can go deeply within themselves, inside their body, and really clear away some of the stuff that's holding them back and make peace with their ancestors, make peace with people perhaps who, who's, whose energy they're holding on to, and really empower themselves as a woman. So they're the, the main focuses of my work at this time. Wow. Well, I'm hanging on to the ideas of what we're going to talk about after our next break. I had no idea you have such a um, a broad uh, range of incredible work. Go, Christine, go. That's what I say. <laughs> um, you, you're Tim. listening today, everyone, to Christine Page. You can go on the website and learn more about her. Also, um, her husband. Now, your husband is um, Leland uh, Landry. That's that right. That's okay. Right. Did I say that correctly? Leland? You did indeed. Beautiful. Okay. All right. And so we want to hear more about that after this short break. I want to thank all of you also for your ongoing uh, contributions to Unity Online Radio. We appreciate that in ways of your giving, not only financially, but also supporting us on social media and letting people know about these great shows that we offer. We'll be right back. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, Armageddon, the Lake of Fire, and then the choir of angels singing as Jesus emerges from the clouds. Ah, the book of Revelation. Are we really destined to the gloom and doom presented in the final book of the Bible? Or is it possible that within Revelation lies a spiritual guide to the human experience? Listen to this special series as Rev. Ed Townley, the author of Kingdom Come, and Rev. Ellen Debenport, author of The Five Principles, contemplate the truth about the book of Revelation. These colleagues and longtime friends discuss the convoluted symbolism of Revelation because Rev. Ed insists in his new book about Revelation that it's actually filled with positive reinforcement and helpful guidance. The book of Revelation, an apocalyptic end-of-the-world prophecy, or a personal, practical guide to spiritual growth. Listen in to find out. Go to www.unityonlineradio.org and click on Special Series. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world.
We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And before break, uh, uh, Dr. Christine Page and myself, we were talking about different elements and and the the path of uh, of a woman's journey. And and yet, there's this other uh, blessed part of each and every one of us, and that all of us ultimately are androgynous spirits. We're all male, female, and so uh, Christine has the best of both worlds, and that she's also serving the male population and also along with her husband partner, uh, Leland Landry, um, and they just do uh, work across the globe of helping people. Uh, Christine, tell us about the work that the two of you do together. So we, thank you for that. I mean, I met Leland and we've been married now nine years and he came into my life, I think at a time when I knew I couldn't take my work any further on my own. And that wasn't just so that we could work together, but also I have to say, physically I needed somebody there. And he is the most wonderful, loving, practical um, man that I could have asked, very wise. And he has this wonderful presence, which is very important, as you say. It's a, he carries that sort of androgynous energy. He's very much a man's man, as well as a, I've got a very good and strong feminine. And I found that having that balance in our work is very important. Uh, for men and women, and I, of course, love traveling with him, and he left his geophysical work. <laughs> he worked in the oil industry, but he, was, he always has worked with the earth, and I th- he always says, isn't that interesting? I used to put sounding into the earth. Now I put sounding into people because he is the music master, and so he loves music, and we use music as a way of, as I say, helping people to get out of their b- thinking and just being able to ride the wave of the music, because music is such a powerful force to take us to new places and places within ourselves. And we are doing the women's work uh, primarily, as I say, for women, although I have had so many men say, thank you for doing this, because it's helping my relationship with my wife. And what, my, what I've found is that men are very much wanting uh, their women to just be in their own power, And because I think women have lost this a long time ago, the men are standing by. They want to support their women, but they, you know, the women don't know who they are. And and the men want to know what it is they can do to support them. And Leland always says, there's nothing more beautiful in the universe than a woman in her power. And he really reveres the feminine in that way. And so we do the women's workshop with only women, but understanding that we're doing it for the men as well. And there are things, you know, I've been asked this, you know, is this not about the feminine? And I say, well, no, because a woman's body is physiologically specific to being a woman. I say that I don't know what it's like to have testosterone streaming through my body 24-7. I don't know what it would be like to have that energy that, that might want to fight or might even want to kill. It's not in my makeup as a woman. But I do know what it's like to have estrogen and progesterone in my body. And so I wrote this book specifically for women and the workshops for women, but in no way am I denying that the gifts of the feminine that is, as you say, in every person. So we do the work, and what we found is there are times where the women are asking that Leland isn't present in the room, which we're very understanding of, because women have become so ashamed of their body that sometimes women of any ages can find it difficult to talk about things that, like menses or sexuality or their breasts or their shape, And I want to create a space where women feel safe to just share whoever they are without shame. Because until we start to do that, uh, we will not find healing. So that's the work we do. I love that. And what a perfect combination that that the two of you have. And I would also like to just add in there, you know, for those of you that are into affirmations and, and positive thinking, please stop affirming that men are not spiritual because nothing could be further than further from the truth and um, we want to hold that and embrace that that when we're speaking about things like that we're actually talking about a whole um, side of ourselves okay. and it, it's there's nothing uh, real about it um, some of the most beautiful people I've ever known in my life 
in friendship and in kindness and in uh, sacred gatherings has been the divine uh, feminine that is coming through in a male body. It's just really amazing. It's so true. And I, I want to say that I think the great one, you know, there were many wounds of women, uh, two of them when I will mention, women in the desire to become more powerful have taken over their masculine aspect. They have, they're now living for their masculine. And I've seen that. I can see that because they're talking to me about, uh, I've got to get somewhere. I've got to do something. I've got to prove something. And I think, wow, where did that come from? I also see it in medicine because 30 years ago, we never saw women before their menopause with heart disease. Now we see young women in their 20s having as much heart disease, if not more than the young men. And heart disease is based on a lack of the feminine within your life, the lack of the ability to relax. So I'm saying is that many women who are striving to be something, to show their power, they're doing it from their masculine while denying and denigrating their own feminine. And I don't see the men doing that. The men are saying, please come back to your feminine. But it's the women who see that as weak and vulnerable and inadequate. And I, when we have these women's workshops, we, we very rarely hear women talking down to their, about their men in their life. But many of them feel let down and disrespected by the women in their life. And that is what I want to heal, is that when women are not uh, mean to other women or they're not respectful to other women, even by having an affair with somebody else's husband, this has to stop because the greatest power of women is a community feeling. We are intuitive. We are community-based. Our survival is based on caring for each other, not from putting each other down. So as you say, this is not about, to me, that's why I'm saying it's not about men. Men are just standing beautifully waiting and to support women. But it's the women who now need to heal themselves from within and with their sisters, with their friends, with their mothers. And that healing will bring change to the world. And that's so powerful, and I, I, I think that's well worth um, elaborating on again because I, I really I really like the way that you that you put that. Um, you were saying that in order uh, for women to feel that they were making a claim again on you know this is my space on the planet and I have the right to be here, instead of doing that with the sacred archetype of the strength of the feminine nature and a woman in who we are and our voice uh, coming from our solar plexus and the energy, etc. We then came from the aspect of what we perceive as the masculine. And then therefore what we're showing is um, early uh, signs of heart disease because we're not being and listening. I mean, I'm just, I'm repeating and mirroring that back to you because Absolutely. This is, that was this a profound is. statement and <laughs> I don't want us to all get off the air and go, well, that was really nice. I mean, I really know that that's significant for people to hear. So could you say I that would, again? Absolutely. And, and, you know, so I think part of the feminist movement, and I am very grateful to the feminist movement for what they've done, but a lot of that energy was masculine energy. It had a lot of anger in it, had a lot of let's change things. And anger is a powerful field of movement. But when we're using anger from a place of woundedness, from a place of pain, it can only ever create more pain. And so if we do not heal the wounds that we have carry inside us, if we have a disrespect for our feminine, not from just ourselves, but from our lineage, from our, what our mothers have told us, what our grandmothers have told us. And one of the healings that we do in the workshop is we, we you know, go into meditation and we meet the female ancestors. If we can get back seven generations, great. You don't need to know these people, but you will, they will come to you. And what every ancestor does when they come back is say, this is the way we tried to use our power. Please don't do it the way we did. And until we understand it's not our mother's story, it's what is the wound you are carrying as a woman about being a woman. And if that wound then becomes the power that you're going to change the world, i.e. you say, I'm so damn wounded, I'm going to then go out into the world and I'm going to change it. All that you do is actually project your wound onto everybody you meet and the situation gets worse. 
So what am I saying about the womb, the uterus? It is for women to go take their power down into their uterus, their sacral chakra, and start to release all the pain, all the grief, all the sadness they've got about being a woman, anybody who's hurt them, and start to say on the first day of my period or on the day of the first the day before the new moon, I will let go of all that pain and let the Mother Earth take it. I can pour water onto the earth perhaps on that day. That would be one way of doing it as a postmenopausal lady. And what I'm saying is until women empty their womb, their pot, their chalice, the uterus, we will continually try and plant new seeds into old soil that is damaged and pained, and all we get is the same result over and over again. So women have to do the clearing. That is their job on this planet. And without that, we will not move forward as humanity. Well, I want to thank you, um, Dr. Christine Page, for doing your part. And that's the best that we can do, right? Um, My teacher used to say is, let us realize we can't solve all the problems of the world, but through our own inner commitment, choose not to be one of them and therefore stand for what we believe. So I want to thank you for just what you were saying at the end, that you are that and that you're being the change that you are seeking to shine and, and show up in each and every one of us. Again, a reminder, christinepage.com. Uh, please go to her website, find out more about her, and most important, forward uh, the show uh, to other people that you know can truly benefit from this conversation and what we're about. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today, uh, Christine. Thank you so much for being with me, and I look forward to our past crossing in some way again. Oh, it's been a great pleasure to be with you, Temple, and thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, beautiful speaking with you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Celebrated Unity Minister and author Eric Butterworth tells us, The exciting thing is that wherever you may be along the way of unfoldment and self-realization, no matter what the problems or challenges you may face, there is always more in you, the mystery of God in you, the Christ in you, which means your potential for healing, for overcoming, for prosperity. There is no limit. Join us each week for Discovering Eric Butterworth, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time with host Rev. Tom Thorpe. Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Catuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, 
Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 